Hey, this is Matt Stacy, youth pastor at New Life, and this is our podcast. I hope that the preaching and teaching you listen to here encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with God. This podcast is a ministry of New Life, and as such, is completely free to the listener. That being said, if you feel led to give to this ministry, we want to make that available to you. You can text GIVE to 833-793-0451. You can also give online through the Tithely app by searching New Life Tabernacle. Thank you, and we hope you enjoy the message. What would a Wednesday night be without mic problems? We don't even know. Glory to God, one of those days are coming. If I could have a little more monitor in this mic, that would be After all of that, we're in Revelation chapter 16. We're going to look, we're going to study the entire chapter tonight of of chapter 16 in the book of Revelation. If you wouldn't mind with me right here at the beginning, we're going to pray and then I'll have you be seated. Jesus, we thank you for another opportunity in your in your church, in your presence. Lord, we thank you for another opportunity to open up your word. Lord, we're grateful tonight. We're grateful for your presence. We're grateful for your word. We ask that you would make our hearts good ground for the seed of your word to fall on. Help us to be doers of your word and not just hearers only. Help me to say everything that you'd have me to say. Nothing more, nothing less. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. Tonight is our 28th lesson in the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 16. We're going to look at verses 1 through 21. If you've been, and thankfully most have been, faithful to Wednesday night Bible studies for the last several months, then you have had to endure... I try to say it without smiling. Several weeks of difficult teaching on the judgment of God. Hard to walk out of here with a positive kind of uplifting, uplifted spirit and attitude after you get done studying some of the things that we've studied for the last several weeks. Unfortunately, tonight, uh, it does not get better. <laughs> it actually gets worse, if you can believe that. That being said, the book of Revelation is beginning to wrap up. And what we are studying tonight is a summary of what's going to happen for the rest of the book of Revelation. Uh, chapter 16 in general is the culmination, if you will, of the judgments that we've been studying uh, thus far. So far, we've studied two sets of seven judgments. We've studied the seven seals, if you can remember. I'm just going to go over uh, them really quickly. You remember the first seal, false peace. Second seal, 
war and destruction kind of ends the false peace that comes along. The third seal was famine and poverty. The fourth seal was death. That resulted in a fourth of the world's population dying. The fifth seal was that of martyrdom. If you can remember uh, the prayers of, the, of those that have been martyred for the name of Jesus, they cried out, they prayed for vengeance. And if you remember, the Lord told them, not yet, but hold on. The sixth seal was physical disturbances such as uh, a great earthquake. The seventh seal opens, and if you remember, the seventh seal leads to the seven trumpets. Uh, the seven trumpets is the second set of seven judgments that we studied. First trumpet was uh, sounded and there was hell and fire. That resulted in a third of the vegetation of the earth being destroyed. The second trumpet was sounded and that brought forth a meteor shower. A third of the sea life killed. The third trumpet is sounded. Uh, a third of the water supply of the world is polluted, ruined. Fourth trumpet is sounded and darkness takes over the world. There's an eclipse. The fifth trumpet is sounded and there's a demonic attack. Sixth trumpet brings with it the intensification of the demonic attack. Demons are given permission to kill a third of humanity and that they do. And then the seventh trumpet brings with it the seven vials. Seven vials are the third set of sevens, and they're the final set of sevens that are going to be poured out. This is uh, what we're studying tonight. And of course, this is a difficult chapter to study. It's a difficult chapter to teach but it's a necessary one. And as I've said several times while studying these judgments, it's important that we don't overlook the book of Revelation. I've heard ministers uh, joke, only a young man would teach the book of Revelation. And that's because he doesn't know better yet. I've heard... Uh, some people joke, the only thing we need to know about the end times is Jesus is coming back and nobody knows when. That's all we need to know. It's true that nobody knows when and that Jesus is coming back. But hopefully, through the grace of God, I've, I've done at least, at least well enough for us to understand through the study of Revelation that there's more to it than just that. And that it's important that we don't overlook what's coming for the world. The direction that the world is heading in. That it's unavoidable. That the judgment of God is coming and it's sure. We're even going to look at tonight, there's a portion we'll get to later, where an angel makes a statement that is why all of this is necessary. The angel explains it. The first four of these vile judgments, and by vile, uh, 
what I mean is like a container. It's holding the judgment that they're going to pour out. Some people refer to them as bowls, the bowl judgments. I'm going to stick with the word vile. The first four of these judgments involve the natural world. When they're poured out, it's going to attack something in our natural world. The next two is going to affect the political world. And then the final vial wraps everything up. So it's the conclusion, if you will. And 16, chapter 16 that we're looking at tonight is just a summary of chapters 17 through 22. It's a summary of what's getting ready, of what John is getting ready to teach us in more detail, to show us in more detail. So we're going to study tonight the seven vials, and we're going to break them up into those three categories. The first four involving the natural world, the next two involving the political world, and then the final vial. Let's look at verse number one, if we can. How did I know this was going to happen? I've been told to pause. Amen. We're going to get it. I'm just going to teach and then you let me know whenever it's whenever it's up there. So John hears a voice in heaven. Let's let's read it real quick. I was going to have it on the screen, but I'll just read it and then I'll put it up on the screen uh, for a little bit uh, after whenever it's able to. Uh, chapter 16, verse 1 and verse 2. And I heard a great voice out of the temple saying to the seven angels, Go your ways and pour out the vials of the wrath of God upon the earth. And the first went and poured out his vial upon the earth, and there fell a noisome and grievous sore upon the men which had the mark of the beast, and upon them which worshipped his image. There it is. Amen. So this is the first vial that is poured out. The first angel steps forward, pours out, this vial of the judgment of God upon the world. The first judgment that is poured out, it only affects a certain group. In fact, it's the majority group of that day. But it only affects those that have taken the mark of the beast and worshipped his image. And I want you to notice that connection that's there. Uh, it's always there. Whenever we talk about the mark of the beast, and I know that in previous lessons, uh, I hopefully I have joked about it sufficiently to where you're no longer afraid of accidentally taking the mark of the beast. But it's always connected with worship of the beast. So if you haven't worshipped the beast, the odds are you haven't taken his mark because they're going to be connected. And everyone who has taken the mark of the beast and has worshipped his image all of these people are going to get hit with this plague that is poured out during this time. It's a serious plague. The word that's there is sores or ulcers that's going to infect uh, these people. Everyone that's taken the mark. The thing that is that we notice... 
because of the plague hitting those, hitting a certain group, only those that have taken the mark, that means then that there's a group that is protected from this, correct? Which is just like God. So when the most intense judgments are being poured out, there's a certain group that God is keeping from the final outpourings of His wrath and judgment. And it's those people that are faithful to Him during that day. Only those who have taken the mark, only those who have refused to worship Jesus, refused to bow the knee to Jesus, and only those who instead have swore their loyalty to the beast will be infected with these judgments that are coming. We look then at verse number 3. Here we have the second vial. And the second angel poured out his vial upon the sea, and it became as the blood of a dead man. And every living soul died in the sea. Now this is intense imagery, and I want you to think about this. The second angel steps forward, pours out his vial of judgment, he pours it into the sea. The sea, this is, this is, this is literally going to take place. The sea turns to blood and everything in this sea dies. The entire world. Anyone ever been to the ocean? It's beautiful. If you ever been on a cruise, it's kind of disconcerting. You'd be out there in the middle of the ocean and you look around for as far as the eye can see and you can see nothing but water. Imagine, if you will, seeing as far as the eye can see and all you can see is blood. And worse than that, have you ever been on the, on the shore and seen dead animals wash up on the shore? Sometimes you can go and you'll see a starfish or uh, dead jellyfish that have washed up on the shores of the ocean. And there's a stench that's there. Imagine that a million fold. It wouldn't even be, you couldn't even be within miles of the sea without the stench and the smell coming from it. That's how terrible this judgment is. Imagine, if you will, all of the end-time judgments that have already been poured out upon the earth. It's affected the population of the world. They're doing everything they can to survive. And God pours out this judgment. 70% of the world is water. And God eliminates that supply. That's the third, the second vial that is poured out upon the world. And notice that it's upon the world. See, these previous judgments, there are those that would say that uh, each seven, each group of seven is just a repeat or a retelling of the previous judgments, that they're all the same, but they're not the same. The first judgments were only affecting certain amounts of the population, a third here, a third there, a fourth here. These vials are getting poured out and it's affecting the entire world. All of the ocean turns to blood. Let's look at the next one. 
And the third angel poured out his vial upon the rivers and fountains of water, and they became blood. I heard the angel of the water say, Thou art righteous, O Lord, which art and wast and shall be, because thou hast judged thus. For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and thou hast given them blood to drink, for they are worthy. And I heard another out of the altar say, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are thy judgments. So this third angel steps forward and he pours out his vial of judgment and this vial of judgment turns the streams and the rivers to blood. So you can imagine being alive at that point. Your body is inflicted if you've taken the mark with sores and ulcers. The ocean is uninhabitable and the disease that's coming from the ocean. Imagine the winds that blow down from the ocean. Is it, It's infecting the entire population because the ocean is blood and everything in it is dead. And the only thing you can do and you can think of doing is going to a fresh stream or a fresh river. Thinking of yourself to get clean or get something to drink in that day. And whenever you get to it, this third vial is poured out and every stream and every river in the land is turned to blood. The ocean is blood. The streams are blood. The rivers are blood. If the faucet still worked, you would turn it on to uh, get a drink out of the faucet in your home and out would come blood. An awful, awful, awful judgment that has been poured out upon the world. No fresh water anywhere. Everywhere where water was, is now blood. John hears then, right after this, another voice, uh, a voice that is described as the angel of the waters. And this is the angel that I was telling you about at the beginning of this lesson. He gives justification for the judgment of God that's being poured out. Because we live in a world that says, if God is good, then why does evil exist? And if God is good, how can He judge sin? And if God is good, how can there be people that are going to hell? Catch what this angel says. This angel says, O Lord, which art, thou art righteous, O Lord, which art and was and shall be. And here's why. Catch this. Because thou hast judged thus. So our understanding of our God, Brother Kendall, today is how could God be good and there'll be evil in the world. This is how. There's coming a day where all evil is going to be judged. And the angel says, God is good because He judges thus. He is making everyone alive at that time that rebels against Him, that slaughters the saints of God and the prophets of God. They are Everyone that's alive, He is made to drink blood. And the angel says, Lord, because you've made that judgment, because you've determined that 
the guilty are to be judged and the wicked are to be judged, you're good and you're just and you're righteous. See, you cannot have a righteous God without judgment. You cannot have a just God without justice. That's what justice is. It's turning wrong to right. It's making right judgment. And we're living in a world that gets judgment so wrong. You've got good people that are being punished for things that they didn't do. And you've got people that are clearly guilty being let loose and turned back into society, even though what they've done is clear and it's evident. Our justice system is turned upside down. But when Jesus steps on the scene at the end of days, it's there's not going to be any perverted uh, judgment that takes forth. The judgment that's being poured out upon the earth is deserved. The angel says that they are worthy. And this is not in my notes, but forgive me, it's coming to me right now. The angel says they're worthy. And you know who I'm standing in front of tonight? You know who I am tonight? This is the truth about the gospel. We're worthy of death and of judgment. And everything that we read that's poured out in the book of Revelation, it's easy to sit here and look at it and think, well, thank God I'm not one of them. And thank God that you're not. But did you know that you're worthy of the same that's going to be poured out? The difference between us and them is that tonight we choose to serve Jesus now. And Jesus paid the ultimate price. Jesus shed His blood because we were worthy of death. You know, that, that, that song says uh, He thought that we were worth saving. And it's, it's true. He did think that we were worth saving, but the truth is that we were worthy of death. And because Jesus saw that we were worthy of death, He came down and delivered us from that possibility. But everyone that's here, everyone that suffers from the punishment that's coming, from the judgment that's coming, is worthy. And the only difference is, they choose not to accept the offering that Jesus has made available. They choose not to serve Him. That's the only difference. And so that should motivate us, as I've tried to say over the last few weeks, that should motivate us to evangelism. That should motivate us to try to convince as many people as we can to serve Jesus now. Because judgment is coming and the only thing that's going to stand between the judgment of God and a worthy, a people worthy of death and judgment is the blood of Jesus. And it's the only thing that's strong enough to stop the judgment that comes. In, in the Old Testament, it's the picture that we have of the lamb that's slain and, the, and they slain that lamb and they put the blood on the door and everyone inside the house is safe. But you've got to be inside the house. It wouldn't do any good to have the blood on the door and then decide to get outside of the house. You've got to be inside the house. Amen. And the same is true for us today. We have a perfect lamb that was slain. He shed His perfect blood. And the blood is available to be applied, but we have to choose. And thankfully, we're in a Jesus-name church tonight. But those people that are still on the earth, they're being judged, 
And they're worthy of everything that they are getting. And God has to do it. He has to pour out His judgment in order to be considered righteous. In order to be considered just. Because how many times in this life do we go through life and it just seems like, Brother Chad, it just seems like that we work as hard as we can and we're doing everything we can to serve God and doing everything we can right and yet we fall short and we don't get the things that we're after, that we're aiming for. We get the B plus on a paper instead of an A. We don't get the promotion that we were seeking. All of this stuff is happening. But then, Brother Kendall, you look at, you know, whoever, Joe Blow out there, doesn't fear God, doesn't love God, doesn't care about the existence, probably doesn't even believe in God. Not working as hard, Brother Jeff. Just floating by and all of a sudden they get that promotion or they get that A. And you think to yourself, how is that just? How can the righteous, how can the righteous not get it? Where's the blessings of God? Understand there's coming a day when God is going to make everything right. And it may look like we're falling short now when we're not getting everything now that is promised, but one day we will. And one day those that seem like they're skirting by and seem like they're getting things that they don't deserve, God is going to make that right. That's why this judgment's being poured out. And it has to happen in order for Him to be a righteous God. He has to pour out judgment upon the unrepentant, upon the rebellious, and upon the unrighteous. So God does. He pours it out. And then we go to the fourth vial. And the fourth angel poured out his vial upon the sun. And power was given unto him to scorch men with fire. And when and men were scorched with great heat and blasphemed the name of God, which hath power over these plagues, and they repented not to give him glory. Now hopefully you're tracking in your mind the plagues that have the vials that have been poured out thus far, you think about it, you've got the sea that has turned to blood, you've got people that have been covered with sores and ulcers, you've got uh, not just the sea, but even the fresh water supply turned to blood, everything's turned to blood, no water. And then all of a sudden, to make matters worse, this fourth vial is poured out. And the sun is magnified. In Oklahoma, we know a little something about the sun being magnified. It will never get as hot in Oklahoma as it's going to be in that day. And there's nothing on a hot day that is refreshing like a cool glass of water. But in that day, there's no water around. The sun is scorching people. Burning people. And they have nowhere to go for reprieve. Because all of the water has been turned to blood. Sun is magnified. People suffer from the intense heat. And here is what is amazing. I find this shocking every time I read it. Even though these judgments, the first seven are poured out, the second seven are poured out, 
And now you've got this third seven being poured out. This rebellious, stiff-necked, hard-hearted people. Even though they, it's clear that they know who is responsible for the judgments that are being poured out. They know who it is that's responsible, and yet they refuse to repent and give Him glory. Why is it important to study the book of Revelation? There's this thought that goes around that, and you've heard it, all people are basically good. They've just fallen on hard times. But all people are basically good. And that's the line that goes around. That's not biblical. There's something inside of the human heart that's broken. And there is such a thing as evil. And according to this, and I know that there are certain people that believe that uh, before the Lord comes back that we're going to have a 100% revival and everybody on earth is going to be born again and saved. But according to the Word of God, when all of the judgments are being poured out upon the earth, and they know that it's God that's doing it, and God still offers a hand of mercy, they're going to look at God, they're going to blaspheme His name, they're going to hate Him for who He is, and they're going to refuse to repent. And there are certain people that that's just the way that it is. And what does that mean? That there are certain people that we shouldn't reach for? No, you reach for them, you pray for them, but you understand at the end of the day, you can't save anybody. They have to want to be saved. They have to make a decision to walk towards God. And there are people, according to the Word of God, that the Lord pulling out the full might of His wrath can't even turn them back to Him. You just have to let those people go. And you have to trust God and let God be God. Those people refuse to repent. That's the fourth vial that is poured out upon the earth. And then the fifth angel poured out his vial upon the seat of the beast. Now that was the first four, again, that I said infected, had natural effects upon the world. Now what we're going to look at is uh, two vials, the fifth and sixth vial, that have political effects. They affect the political world. And the fifth angel poured out his vial upon the seat of the beast, and his kingdom was full of darkness, and they gnawed their tongues for pain, and blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores, and repented not of their deeds. Fifth vial is poured out. Angel steps forward, pours out his the, the fifth vial, and he pours it out upon the throne of the beast. The, the, the heart of the Antichrist's authority, he pours it out. There's darkness that covers his domain, his, his regime. All of it dark. How many know that everything's worse in the dark? When you're sick, it's worse at night. When there's daytime, you can kind of try to push your way through. When it gets night, everything's just, you're just, your misery is tenfold. On top of everything that's being poured out, darkness covers this land, the land of the Antichrist. His empire is covered in darkness. And to make matters worse, the sores 
and the pains from the previous judgment, they intensify. It gets so bad that the Bible actually says that they began to chew on their tongue because of the pain. All over the world. This is, this is not, this is when people say that, uh, that the great tribulation is just uh, another form of punishment and tribulation that the world's seen. You know, we've all seen it. We're going to see it again. It's a lie. There will never be pain and misery poured out on this level until this day. Serious pain. And the pain intensifies. What's that response, though? How can it possibly be? With God pouring out His judgment, his wrath, he's made him, he's making himself known to these, to this people. And still it says that they chose to blaspheme him and refuse to repent. This is, by the way, the last time that that phrase is used. That refusal to repent. And that's because there is coming a day when repentance will no longer be an option. When turning around is no longer an option and God withdraws that hand of mercy. There's, there's coming that day. It is true. We don't want to pretend as if that day does not exist. It does exist and it is coming. And that's why it's important that we repent now. Not later, now. We repent as often as we can and we beg people in the world to do the same. To turn to Jesus, to be born again of water and of the Spirit. And then the sixth vial is going to be poured out. And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates. And the water thereof was dried up, that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, and out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are the spirits of devils, working miracles which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world, to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked, and they see his shame. And he gathered them together into a place called in the Hebrew tongue Armageddon. This is a picture of the end of the world. So the sixth vial is poured out. This vial is poured out upon the Euphrates River. And as this vial is poured out, the river then dries up. And it's said that by the river drying up, a way is prepared for the kings of the east to now cross over the river and advance into that land. So an important question tonight would be, who are the kings of the East? And commentators have thought over this and questioned this. And do you know that there are over 50 predictions for who the kings of the East are? And who that's being talked about there? Over 50. I agree with one writer who said that the amount of predictions... Uh, serve itself as a ref refutation of the wisdom of guessing. In, in other words, the fact that there's over 50 guesses 
as to who they are is proof that maybe we shouldn't be guessing. We just don't know. Here's what we, here's the, the, here's what we can, uh, at least come to this conclusion. East of this battlefield and the Euphrates, there's at least three nations today that we can point to. Whether or not they're going to be the nations, uh, that are going to cross that sea at that time, we don't know. It just says the kings of the east. But there are at least three. The three would be China, Japan, and India. And if you, if your head is not in the sand and you're not living under a rock, you know that China right now is making moves. Russia is making moves. India is on the verge of becoming a superpower right now. So all of this stuff is, everything's, everything is shaping up. I'm not saying Jesus is coming back tomorrow or coming back in a hundred years. As we said at the beginning of this lesson, no man knows the day nor the hour. But here's what we do know. Nothing else needs to happen. The rapture is the next event on the prophetic timetable. It can happen at any time. And that's how we know because everything is set up perfectly for the events of the end time to take place. So those are the three. If you're interested in watching the world, and, and you should pay attention to what's going on in the world and seeing the events of the world, everything, all the pieces being put into place. Whomever they are, though, the drying up of this river creates the opportunity for them to join the fray, to join in on the battle and the fighting. What John sees next is hard to, uh, hard to explain, really. He sees three frog-like demons come out of the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. These, John tell us, are the spirits of the devil. The spirits of devils, rather. And they're sent forth to deceive the kings of the earth. And how do they deceive? They do it by working miracles. I've said it before and I'll say it again because it's important that we understand this. We have to pray for discernment. We are people of the Spirit. We cannot operate without the Spirit. We have to have a move of God. If all we're doing is coming to church and there's no move of God and there's no touch of God, there's nobody receiving the Holy Ghost, there's nobody being refreshed in the Spirit, then we're not making a difference. We're eliminating the only thing in the world that makes a difference. But if we're not careful, we will assume that miracle signs and wonders are the only signs. And we'll start lusting after them and pursuing them with everything to the point that we stop so much pursuing Jesus and just start pursuing His gifts. And you say, what's the danger of that? This is the danger of that. There's coming a day, and, and might I suggest that if there's coming a day, is it not possible for Satan to use the same devices even now? John said in his, in his book that there are many antichrists already at work in our world. 
And if he can send forth demonic spirits into that world to work miracles and to deceive the kings of men, how much more can those spirits be at work in our world? And deceiving, working miracles. How many times is it that you see a miracle happen? Someone talks about a miracle, but you look at the preacher that supposedly had the miracle performed and you wonder yourself, how is that even possible? He's not even apostolic. He's not living right. There are two explanations for that. Number one, it could be that God is just responding to the hunger and the need of the person that the, that, that preacher is praying for. The other option is that they are, they are working under spirits that are not God, but are actually anti-God. And are used to deceive men away from the truth. Any spirit, any working of miracle that pulls us away from Jesus and further away from the truth is not of God. It is anti-Christ. And we must have discernment today because the further we get, the closer we get to the coming of the Lord, I believe that the greater confusion there is going to be between what is God and what is not God. And the true church has got to be focused and locked in and discerning and praying because I don't want signs and wonders if they're not done by Jesus. I don't want miracles if they're not done by Jesus. I want miracles, I want signs, I want wonders, but I only want them done by Jesus. And guess what? If Jesus doesn't want the miracle to happen, if he doesn't send the sign and the wonder, I don't want it. If like gone through his man tells my grandpa, sir, you're going to die and you're going to show the saints of God how to die in victory, then I want to be able to do that under the power and the authority of the Holy Ghost, because that's the will of God. Amen. We have to be careful and we have to be discerning. These devils are going to be sent forth into the world. And the only way that they're going to deceive people is because of the working of miracles. They're going to do a miracle and the kings of men are going to say, that, that has to be something. That's a miracle. That can't, I can't explain it any other way. They have to be right even though it's a devil that they're following. And these devils are going to draw them all to the great and final battle at Armageddon. All of the kings of men, all of the armies of the world. And then in the midst of all of that, John shows us in your Bible, it would be red letters. Jesus gives a warning and an admonishment to the believers. Behold, I come as the thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. In other words, I'm coming quickly. Stay faithful. Now, some may tell me that I'm, I'm stretching this farther than what it is supposed to be, but I don't believe so. I don't believe that this is any coincidence. The previous verse says that there's going to be demonic spirits that come out and they're going to work miracles and then they're going to deceive the kings of men. And then the next, the, the very next verse, Jesus comes on the scene and he says, blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. Because if you're a believer in that day and hopefully you've been raptured away, hopefully you get right now. But if you're a believer in that day, and you see them working miracles and signs and wonders, and you believe that's the only sign of the true God, and that's the only sign of the truth, is that there's got to be miracle signs and wonders, you'll be easily deceived. 
But Jesus said, watch. Make sure that the fruit is there. You'll know them by their fruits. Do they honor Jesus? Do they worship him as Lord? Amen. I'll leave that, I'll leave that alone. I've said enough. There's coming a day. And folks, we've got to be discerning. We've got to watch. We are not cessationist. We do not believe like those that say that there are no miracles, no signs, and no wonders in this day. We are not those. We believe strongly in the power of the Holy Ghost and in moves of God. And we are going to see people get filled with the Holy Ghost in this church. And we are going to see people get healed in this church. And we're going to see miracle signs and wonders. But it's got to be, it's got to be right. And it's got to be after the will of God and after His direction. And we don't want it if it's not. Amen. Next, the seventh vial is going to be poured out. And the seventh angel poured out his vial into the air. And there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven from the throne saying, It is done. And there were voices and thunders and lightnings. And there was a great earthquake such as was not since men were upon the earth. So mighty an earthquake and so great. And the great city was divided into three parts. And the cities of the nations fell. And great Babylon came in remembrance before God to give unto her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. And every island fled away. And mountains were not found. And there fell upon men a great hell out of heaven. Every stone about the weight of a talent. And men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hell. For the plague thereof was exceeding great. Notice there that it doesn't say anything about repentance because that option is no longer there. So this vial is poured out into the air. And then John hears this voice. And the voice says, it is done. What is done? Every prediction, every prophecy from the Old Testament until now has been fulfilled is what the voice is saying. It's done. The judgment that I've been saying is coming. It's finally here. It is done. What comes next, what we read, was a summary of what we're getting ready to study over the next few weeks from chapter 17 to 22. Lightning flashes from one end of the, of heaven until the other. Thunder roars. The worst earthquake in the history of the world strikes the world. The capital of the Antichrist is split into three. Islands sink into the ocean. Mountains collapse into the earth. And possibly worse than all of that, hundred pound hailstones pummel the earth. Unimaginable horror that is going to strike the world. If you want to stand, I'm coming to a close. Unimaginable horror strikes the world as this seventh vial is poured out. We're going to look at over the next few weeks, John deals in more detail basically what happens uh, with these seven vials. We're going to study that over the coming weeks. But this is why it's so important 
that we don't just skip over the book of Revelation and act like it doesn't exist. This teaches us something about God. That God is honest. He's a God that doesn't lie. And that judgment is coming. And when things go wrong in our world and in our lives and we're doing everything we can to live right and still it doesn't feel like things are going our way. That's why it's important to read the book. God's going to make every injustice right. He's going to turn every wrong right. All of it's coming. It's going to be poured out upon the world. The wrath of God poured out upon the world. It's hard being a Christian. Sure. Sure, nobody, nobody said it was going to be easy. In the Middle East, it's a death sentence to be a Christian. Many places of the world, it's a death sentence. One day it could be here. God forbid it. But if the Lord tarries, it could be here. But you know what? Even if we must suffer and we must die for the glory of God, I take comfort from this book. Because we're not dying in vain. We're His. And one day He's going to pour out His wrath. And He's going to get vengeance for every child of His that was mistreated and done wrong. And He's going to come back and He's going to conquer the earth. And He's going to put down every rebellion. I'm thankful for that. And I am awaiting that day. But as I've said the previous weeks, and I want to keep saying, judgment is coming. But it's not here yet. And that means that while judgment is stayed, since God's not here yet, we have an obligation to tell as many people as we can and to try to reach as many people as we can. And I don't mean you can do it if you want to, but I'm not talking about beating down doors, getting on your hands and knees and begging people to come into the house of the Lord. But we'd all be lying if we said that we don't have at least a friend that is not saved, that we know that we're in contact with, that we could reach for. Or a lost loved one that we could send subtle reminders every once in a while, hey, I miss you. Love for you to come to church with me. We got to reach people. We got to reach people while there's time. I believe this. I believe this is true. To the core of like everything in me, I believe it. I believe that this is really going to happen. I don't believe this is fiction. I don't believe this is just a story. I don't believe this was written just to scare people. I believe this is reality. That this is going to come. That this is happening. The judgment of God is on its way to this world. And we've got to reach as many people as we can. And especially we've got to reach our family got to reach our family. Melanie was telling us about a conversation she's having with with Madeline. Madeline's asking big questions. She's four. She's She's asking big questions. And you know what the apostolic mother over here is doing? She's giving good godly answers. She's not beating around the bush. She's not hiding the truth from the four year old. Why? Discipleship. Because it's just as important that she wins her daughter as it is that we win anybody else in the world. That's the truth. Don't hide the truth of the Word of God from your child. Don't make excuses for it. Well, they're just children. We need to protect them from them. No. Give them the truth. Give them a chance to be raised in this book. 
to love God, to find the truth of the Word of God. Let someone else's child believe in all the fairy tales of the world. Teach them the truth. Give them a foundation of the Word of God. Let them stand on their own two feet in the Word of God. Amen. I've told the church this before. And it's a funny story and people laugh. I joke about being traumatized by my mother. Six years old, I couldn't sleep. I'd go upstairs and I would ask to be prayed for because I was lost. I was six. I was worried about being lost. And I love my mama to this day for not telling me just to go back to my bed, you're fine. And she didn't let that get into my spirit. She got out of the bed and she said, you're right, baby, you need the Holy Ghost. And she'd pray with me. And we'd pray and I'd go back to bed. And at eight years old, Brother Kendall, nobody had to teach me how to speak in tongues. God filled me with the Holy Ghost. But it didn't just happen at eight. I was seeking it for two years. I was a six-year-old that was hungry for the truth. I became an eight-year-old filled with the Holy Ghost. That's why we don't hide the truth from our young people, from our children. And God forbid that we would teach them to speak in the Holy Ghost just so we could say we've got another one. Don't do that. It's real. God can really fill them. I remember when He really filled me. And I asked to be baptized. And we've got young people. This church is full of babies. And we want to be an apostolic church for them. And we want them to be raised in an apostolic church. And we want them to ask big questions and us to give them the right answers. Amen. I wonder if we could find a place tonight just to pray. Pray for our lost loved ones. Pray for our lost friends. And pray that God would give us the courage to be apostolic today. To not hide the truth from people. To not hide the truth from our children, but to embrace it. Embrace the truth. Teach your children. Teach them to love God and to love the Word and that they need to be born again. Doesn't matter how young. Start them young. Teach them. Teach them about the love of God. Could you find the place to pray tonight? Let's pray for lost loved ones. Let's pray for our children. Let's pray for our family.